Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Classroom Matters podcast. I am your host, Christy Houle, and I am excited to be joined this morning with not one, but two guests. And we're going to be talking about something really amazing that's going on in the St. Louis area and just sort of how um, communities are getting together and organizations are really getting together and rallying support for what's happening in education right now. So I would love to um, introduce Stacy Clay, who is the Senior Vice President and Director of Community Affairs for First Bank. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you, Christy. Pleasure to be here. And also, we are joined by Dr. Stephen Coxon, who is the Associate Professor of Education at Maryville University. Greetings, Dr. Coxon. Thanks so much for having me, Christy. Yeah, so I'm so excited to have both of you on the podcast. And, you know, what I want to do, you both have really interesting backgrounds, so I want to kind of start maybe with you, Stacey, and tell us a little bit about what your background is and what you're currently doing right now. All right, well, thanks, Christy. Um, currently, I, as you mentioned, I serve as Director of Community Affairs for uh, First Bank, and I um, stepped into that role in June of 2018. Uh, immediately prior to that, I was a Deputy Superintendent um, in St. Louis Public Schools. Specifically, my area was Student Support Services, so that's the nurses, counselors, social workers, after-school programs, alternative education, homeless student services, essentially all the non-academic direct services to students and families. Um, and I was in that position for five years. Uh, prior to that, um, I ran a college access nonprofit called uh, College Summit. Um, and prior to that, I was a classroom teacher, uh, teaching primarily kindergarten and first grade. Um, taught in a variety of settings, um, including St. Louis Public Schools. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's interesting. Kindergarten and first grade, that's... <laughs> I'm sure you have some great yeah. stories to share. Oh, it's a really fun age, really fun age. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And Dr. Coxon, give us a little bit about your background. So I was a teacher in public schools. I started in uh, high school in California and then moved into elementary school in southwestern Virginia, where I taught for most of my career. And that really got me interested in education technology. I started the Lego robotics team after school, wrote a grant to get my, I think, the first uh, smart board in the county. And uh, so when I went into my doctoral program, uh, that was a big interest of mine. And I did a, a cognate, kind of like a minor and a PhD in ed tech. And I actually did my dissertation with Lego Robotics. So I get to say I did my dissertation with Legos, which is a fun thing to tell kids. At Maryville now, I direct the Center for Access and Achievement. And we focus on STEM education across uh, several different partner districts, uh, particularly in North County, uh, also the city and East St. Louis, the Jersey Center. So I get to work all over the place with, with kids and uh, their teachers. What to do? Okay, I'm gonna pause for a minute because Jessica, do you hear his audio going out? I do, I wasn't sure if you could too. <laughs> my yeah, I okay. heard it. Stacy, did you hear his audio go in and out? It, it, it got a little faint. I can still hear him, but he definitely... Did I switch to the headset? I don't think it's the audio so much as the connection. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll just keep going with it then. I, I can plug in, although we have fast Wi-Fi and nobody else is on right now. So my Wi-Fi is getting full bars here. We have... Okay. Two... Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, unless you have a way to connect to the Ethernet, which we've already started, so I think yeah, just... I think we'll be good. It, yeah, and like Stacy said, I could hear you. It just got really, really faint in and out. So okay. um, we'll see how it goes. You want me to run through that again? Nope. We heard no. it. Okay. Okay, I'm going to mute. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of videos for Maryville, too, where we just do one take after the other, and then they put it back together and make it look like it was uh, sequential. I know, right? It's like the magic of television and uh, now podcast. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, we... Jessica does amazing things when we'll do all these takes and she sends it to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, you created that out of what we did. That's wonderful. So I'm really excited that both of you are here, um, Dr. Coxon and Stacy, because First Bank has partnered with Maryville University to create the Education Technology Initiative. And so this is going to be such a big impact on our neighboring uh, school districts and communities that I really wanted to get the word out about the great things that that both of these organizations that you represent are doing and how it's going to impact um, in a good way how we're educating our children right now. So um, Stacy, tell us a little bit about what this education initiative is and how that partnership came about. Sure. Um, the philanthropic focus of First Bank has always been um, on what we call the next generation. So we've always been focused, um, at least for the past several years, on youth and youth serving agencies. Um, we had started to gravitate towards education and supporting schools and, and education again specifically. Um, but even within that, we were looking for um, an even finer focus. And when we saw what was happening with COVID um, in schools and the fact that schools had to pivot incredibly quickly in a matter of days, weeks, uh, to going to one-to-one, -one, providing every student with a device, building an infrastructure to support distance learning, again, had to do this in a matter of days. Um, we knew that there was significant costs associated with that that was unplanned and unbudgeted. And we knew also that it, it could present an opportunity to support learning in a different way long-term. And, and I'll get to, I'll explain more about what that means in a moment. So our, our senior executives assembled very quickly and said, you know, we recognize the cost that, that schools are incurring uh, with this technology that they need to scale up very quickly. Um, how can we help? And so we reached out to schools that we had a relationship with um, and a couple of new schools and said, you know, what, what, what's going on? What are the things that you're seeing? And certainly I had contacts from my background and um, they said, you know, really we could use help paying for this technology to be quite honest. Um, and so that was part one of the educational technology initiatives is giving grants to schools to um, either help them purchase or, or reimburse because often they had to make purchases very quickly um, or reimburse them for these emergency technology expenditures, laptops, iPads, that sort of thing to make sure that their students had what they needed. The second component was more long-term. Um, we recognized that we're gonna come out of this pandemic, believe it or not, one day and schools will have this robust distance learning infrastructure. Pretty much in every district across the country, all students will have a device. We also know that um, platforms will be built, infrastructure will be set up to allow for distance learning. And schools are gonna wanna 
leverage that in hopefully some creative ways going forward once we're past the pandemic. And so we thought, how do we really equip schools for that day when it's not crisis mode, but you have this technology, how can you leverage it? And so that's where the partnership with Maryville comes in. Maryville has long been a leader in, in distance learning. Now, admittedly, at the higher education level, that's quite different than distance learning with a six-year-old. But they do have um, a broad base of experience to really roll out what distance learning can look like in high school, middle, and elementary school environments. And so that's why we were excited to partner with them so they could bring that experience in really supporting schools in distance learning pedagogy. How do you teach via Zoom? Because clearly it's not going to be Ms. Johnson's kindergarten lesson that she does every day. It's going to be different. How do we make it effective? How do we make it relevant in, from an educational perspective? And I think that's where Maryville can come in and really be a support to schools. So we have a cohort of schools that we've given the grants to that will be going through a program um, that Maryville um, is facilitating. Um, and we're really excited about the possibilities. So Dr. Coxon, tell us a little bit more about Maryville's part. You know, I know that uh, Stacy hit on that and, and, but t go in a little deeper about the partnership and the distance learning. And, you know, he brought up some great points that it is much different distance learning from a university level, as opposed to a kindergarten class or a first grade class or a middle school class. So talk to us a little bit about what your role has been in this. Yeah, absolutely. So we have done work with students pre-K through 12th grade for years. And so when, when COVID hit and we were looking at putting our summer programs for hundreds of kids online, um, we asked, you know, what are some of the key problems that we expect kids to face? Having the full size class at one time was likely to be a distraction to a lot of kids. So we made smaller sections of the classes. So we had one teacher who was teaching the same number of students that she normally would in the summer, but teaching for shorter periods of time in smaller groups. And we found that that was a really effective way to get the kids engaged. We also knew that they weren't gonna have, you know, the materials that they would normally work with. So we made sure that they got those so with those from home. We worked with our district partners to make sure that they had devices. Uh, the districts actually, in, in general, uh, were really pretty well prepared for internet access. They partnered the library and sometimes uh, business partners to make sure that kids had Wi-Fi access at home and really short that up. So we were able to engage kids in those smaller groups um, very effectively. And we do pre and post assessment on all of our summer programs. And we found that the kids learned as much and in some cases even more than they normally would have in a face-to-face -face program. And that could be the, the smaller sizes. Um, it could also be some of the training that we give on their education technologies and making sure that they're still doing some of the things they would do in the classroom. So moving around, standing up, having a background that looks classroom-like welcoming elementary classroom in that case, use things like their phones as a second device to be a document camera if they were sharing a book or how to do something small. And so now we want to take those strategies and help teachers technology investment from First Bank really effectively. 
capitalize on that investment and make sure students are learning. We know worldwide that education technology spending does not equate student achievement gains, unless teachers have that knowledge on how to use the technology effectively. Perfect example are smart boards. Smart boards, um, I was surprised I'd written a grant kind of at the end of my K-12 career before I moved into higher education, worked very hard to get the smart board, it was one of the first in our school district, and then to come and be supervising our pre-service teachers in classrooms where the smart board wasn't used or it was just used as a kind of a very expensive whiteboard. And the difference was that that teacher training hadn't been there. Teachers got those, but didn't really know how to use those effectively. So we wanna make sure that teachers know how to use their technology effectively for distance learning. And we, we can, we had great learning gains and engagement from kids you know, in first grade, for example. Yeah. Well, so thank you both for giving us the background on that because I wanted to make sure that the listeners really knew what it was exactly that First Bank and Maryville University were doing, what the goal was. And Stacy, you said something that, you know, I love the way that you phrase this. You said that we were, we were asked to pivot very quickly um, and to do things that a lot of teachers and families and, and kids and uh, principals and superintendents weren't comfortable with doing in a very short amount of time. And I know that a lot of times, you know, families and, and folks may not know how budgets work at schools and where the money comes from. But, you know, sometimes I think there's a sense that there's just this, this uh, never ending supply of money that schools can pull from you know, why don't all the kids have computers and why aren't we getting all of these things? And, you know, why is it such a big deal? But they really don't have that never ending surplus of funds. And so talk to, you know, tell me a little bit more about some of the specific areas that these funds that you're hoping that these funds will go go for. I know you talked about devices and um, those types of things, but can you tell us a little bit more about what are some specific areas that you're really focused on with these grants and, and what you're seeing that the schools are really using these funds for? Certainly. And what we're seeing is that, you know, many school districts were on a on a path, admittedly in a few years, to get every student a device. School districts recognize that, um, you know, the technology, <laughs> the technology we're speaking on right now um, is ubiquitous to be a, frankly, a, a, a competent, productive adult. You're going to have to have some mastery of these technologies. Um, and how to use them appropriately and, and, and everything associated with that. So school districts recognize that. And again, many were on a glide path to go to one-to-one, -one, every student having their own device in a couple of years. They had to do that in a couple of weeks. And so um, that, that device uh, reimbursement was just so critical because um, they're expensive, as we know from our personal lives. Um, and while schools get some degree of a discount because they buy in such large quantities, um, it's still not a, a $25 proposition. It's still several hundred dollars. Um, and that comes with cases and all the things that you need because um, you're handing this over to a, <laughs> a six-year-old. So <laughs> you want to make sure that it's appropriately protected, has all the software um, that it needs to have to protect children because um, online can be a dangerous place for children. And so we wanna make sure that all those features are in place 
um, to make sure that the experience with the technology is a safe one and a productive one. Um, all those things cost money. And so uh, schools had to, to, to shell out very quickly. So First Bank, um, while engaged with the community, we're, you know, we're, we're a modest bank in terms of size. We're not Bank of America, but we wanted to do what we could in terms of supporting schools with those costs. But the real, again, the real exciting piece is the longer term leveraging of this technology and this infrastructure. You know, one of the things that has, has been discussed is, so once we get past the pandemic and, and we are back to, to normal, how can we leverage this technology, for example, in a tutoring context? Um, we know that after school, um, is very challenged, can be challenging for parents in school districts because of transportation. Um, during the school day, transportation is always expensive, but you can at least be more efficient because you're transporting dozens and dozens of students in a big bus. So you're getting the most bang out of your buck. In an after-school context, you may only be transporting uh, four or five kids. And so then it becomes too expensive to do after school is where a lot of tutoring takes place. And so we have kids we know can't take advantage of after school tutoring and after school opportunities because they can't, the schools can't figure out the transportation and the parents can't figure out the transportation. What if we could leverage this distance learning technology for tutoring? So now a student could go home with their classmates, get their device and get exposure to high quality tutoring in the comfort of their own home, the tutors in their home or whatever uh, place is convenient for them, and the student is getting the kind of support that they need. Um, these are the kinds of things that First Bank is very interested in exploring with schools and helping support with schools. And, you know, another very practical application is um, I worked in an elementary school. Kids get sick a lot. So we have situations where Kids aren't real, real sick, but maybe they got a little bit of a fever, probably not great for them to come back, but they could participate online. They could, you could set up a laptop by their bed. They could still be involved in the learning um, and not miss out. And, but they're at home, they're safe, they're not spreading whatever to their classmates. These are just a couple of the applications that First Bank is very interested in working with schools and with Maryville on um, as we move forward. And Dr. Coxon, can you uh, briefly tell us a little bit about the professional development that will accompany these funds? So right now, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a needs assessment out to all of our school partners in this project to find out exactly what their teachers really need, what other technology on top of what, what First Bank has provided for them that they have, that they can capitalize on as well, what background they have, and what needs they have in terms of meeting the standards that they need to meet so that we can tailor a uh, what we call a short course which is a sequence of it might be eight or more um, short segments that are packaged together that teachers can go through where we have video content directly addressing the needs that they have where we can put in quizzes and other things to help ensure that teachers are learning uh, so they can go through this sequence that we're going to create and really learn what they need. So it's not just a broad class, but it's specific to the school's needs. So as they go through that, then we can reassess and see what other things those teachers 
teachers need to be successful in engaging their students online. And I really appreciate that being a former teacher and principal, the professional development has to be there. That has to be included because so many times we do sort of the drive-by, here's devices, here's this, here's that, go figure it out. And so I, I'm really grateful. Um, and I know that the teachers in the schools that you're helping are extremely grateful for the follow through and the support that both of your organizations are giving them. Um, and so I want to sort of uh, you know, talk just a little bit before we're, we end um, our podcast together with what are some, some, some good things? You know, Stacy, in a previous conversation, you said we'd love to turn um, sort of an unfortunate situation into something that can last and be really good for teachers in schools. So sort of give us your final thoughts on how this can really turn into something great for us once this pandemic is over. Well, I think, you know, we, we saw in banking when, when the pandemic hit that um, folks could no longer come into branches. Um, there was a period where they were, they were completely shut down and we had to pivot very quickly to getting our clients um, used to, to doing things online and, and doing things through other means. And, and what we found is that for some clients, they actually, uh, while they missed interacting with the, with the branch staff, um, actually were able to get their needs met a lot faster um, in a lot more convenient way by accessing the First Bank online tools. And so we really saw an opportunity to reach out to our clients. And again, once we get beyond the pandemic and say, here's, here's how you can interact with First Bank in a way that's perhaps more convenient and gets to what you need faster. We want to take that same philosophy into to education and what we're doing there and saying, okay, we're going to have this infrastructure. We're going to have all these um, devices with these young people. Um, we, we feel it would be a shame that if these, when we go back, these devices just sit on a shelf. Yeah. Technology infrastructure just kind of goes away and the innovative things that are happening every day with Google Classroom and other platforms get forgotten. So how do we, how do we keep that going? We know for a vast majority of children in school with a teacher that, that, that social interaction with peers is the best thing for them. We know that. So this is not an idea of, of online or distance learning, whatever, supplant the classroom experience, but how can it enhance it? How can we do more with it? How can we create environments where um, maybe more of the learn, maybe more of the lesson is delivered, the formal lesson is delivered online or through video? And in the classroom, you're actually working on projects. So there's less kind of direct pedagogy in the, and direct teaching in the classroom, more project learning, more collaborative opportunities, because you've already gotten the, the, the lecture, if you will, is already delivered via video. And so students can access that at home. They can just watch the lecture. And one of the neat things about that, um, it's, there's actually called flip classrooms, is something that is, has been around for a while, is in that kind of scenario, students can kind of rewind the lecture, they can fast forward, they can do, they can kind of get what they need um, from the direct teaching in a way that they can't in the classroom because it's, you know, you're trying to accommodate a number of different students with your, uh, with your pacing. But if we can create scenarios where students are looking at the, again, the lecture at home, they're working on projects at school, 
and doing the collaborative kind of neat stuff that we know takes place in our modern workplaces. That's how our workplaces are set up. And so if we can begin to mirror that in elementary, middle, and certainly high school, I think we can really leverage the technology in some really neat and interesting ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And I think that what you're both doing is amazing. And I know that we have not heard the last from First Bank or Maryville University. And just let me be you know, the first to say to you today, um, if no one has told you this, I think it's amazing in your dedication to not just education during an unfortunate time, but education all the time. Um, I know that a lot of people are rallying around right now and community support is, is really uh, kind of showing itself in a great way, but I feel that um, you guys are doing this constantly and I appreciate that. So thank you, Dr. Coxon and Stacey Clay for uh, coming on today and talking to us about this. Thank you for the opportunity. And this is Christy Hool signing off for this episode of Classroom Matters. We'll see you next time.